You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And thank you to Shelby Materials for making the conversation possible. Joe Wrights obviously has something to do with that as well. Colts camp tomorrow. We will be out there. We'll talk to Joe in just a second here. I want to let you know, by the way, when it comes to if you are going up to camp, Quack Daddy Donuts right there in Westfield, just south of Grand Park, as a matter of fact, off Spring Mill. Uh, they are closed today on Mondays, but tomorrow, the, the best code word available. Again, you go in there and you use the code word. When you go into Quack Daddy Donuts, you're going to get $3 off a dozen donuts. You wear Colts gear, you're going to get 10% off right there. Tomorrow's code word is the best. Kevin, would you like to let folks know tomorrow's code word? Do you happen to have it in front of you? Uh, just go ahead, Jake. That would be Jake. You go in there, as always, the name Jake's synonymous with little money for you, right? Come on, you go in there, you get a maple icing and bacon donut, you'll take that, right? Mark, you'd, you'd be willing to say my name. You get for a, a wall-sized photo of Jake Query. That's what you get tomorrow if you go to Quack Daddy. Now, does that promo code work before noon? <laughs> oh, nice. I like that. I like no, that. No, it hasn't in years. <laughs> uh, buy one, get one coffee, right? That's right. Half off? Love it. Coming this week. Uh, so, yes, uh, we'll be back out there tomorrow for our final practice. And to recap what we saw on Saturday afternoon, you heard him on the radio call. He is Joe Wrights. Uh, Joe, good morning. Uh, kids dropped off. Is this day one for the for, for the kids back to school? Day four, day Kevin. Four. Good afternoon to you and Jake. Uh, how are you guys doing this uh, Monday? When you wake up at 4 a.m. like Joe Wrights does and you've already worked out twice, it is the afternoon. That's right. You, you and Jake couldn't be on more polar opposite sleeping schedules, by the way, Joe. Hey, it's, it's all good. You know, that's why that's what makes the world go round and round, right? <laughs> Differences and different approaches. But yeah, I'm definitely a, uh, an early morning riser. But uh, yeah, had a good workout uh, with my brother-in-law this morning and got fired up and now uh, ready to talk some Colts. Okay, so Joe, let's um, we'll do a good, bad, and the ugly, right? When it comes to a preseason game, and maybe there was one of those that you say, "Well, I don't know that, that I saw anything of that." But we'll start with the good. Uh, give me an, an item or two that pleasantly surprised you, and, and by that I mean maybe you weren't necessarily looking at a particular area or player, but when you looked at the film or you watched the game, you said to yourself, "You know what? Kudos to them. Nice job." Yeah, I'll go three quick ones. First, we got out healthy, and my number one key going into the game on the radio was, you know, everybody walked back to the bus with, with no boots on, and I know I think there was one injury, um, concussion to Ulibe, but overall, we got out healthy, which that's ultimately the most important thing. Two, and I think everybody's talked about it length with Tink to Richardson, I thought that Richardson impressed me. It was a little bit better performance than I would have thought overall collectively, uh, before the game. And then three, I thought um, that first unit offensive line played well. And I think you saw a renewed um, energy and vigor from Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson on the inside. I do think Ryman got some good push in the run game. There wasn't a lot of pass, true dropback opportunities. But I, I really think that the uh, the running game, and especially running that left side behind Q and Ryman kind of a couple years ago to uh, – him and Costanzo, I think that can be something that's really good. And um, so, so I was definitely impressed with those three. Joe, this is going to sound – I don't know how to word this question because I think they're all obviously critically important. But I am curious as somebody who played on the line. In the offensive line, if you had to pick one player on the line that – like if, if somebody came to you and said, look – uh, we're going to take one of your offensive linemen and put them at 40%. Their, their health is going to be 40%. Their effectiveness is going to be 40%. Which position would you pick to have that happen? Because it's the position that can most mask deficiency on an offensive line. Well, I have never been asked that question in all my years of line. I mean, I would say left tackle is most important. Um, then probably, you know, center right. I mean, probably right guard, I would say. If you had to pick one would probably be the least important that's generally because it's not on the blind side and you know generally it's a little bit easier to maybe uh you know mass some stuff inside of the guard versus outside of the tackle when those guys are usually one-on-one with the defensive end well the reason i ask it is because you know last year like we talked to ryan kelly at the beginning of the season and or at the beginning of of camp and he was open about the fact that he went through some struggles last year. Totally understandably, Joe. I mean, I totally get it. I think everybody does understand why just things outside of football would would weigh you down within football. But it, it, it's my feeling that 
we probably couldn't have even gotten a full assessment of Bernard Ryman and his growth from a year ago just because he has he 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 was yet to be playing with the full 100% anchor of a center beside him is that a fair statement um yeah, I mean, I would say a little bit, but, you know, Ryman, you know, really you got Quentin Nelson in the middle, you know, between him and Ryan Kelly. Well, yeah, so yeah. Think, but, well, well know, Nelson was banged up too, though. I guess I should have thrown that in. Yeah, but I, I think that when you go to Ryman, uh, I thought that while he struggled, I mean, his first game was Thursday night in Denver. We couldn't move the ball. I mean, those guys were getting off on the snap count. I was there watching it live. That, that's just tough sledding for your first game. But I thought the last four to five games – uh, he played some pretty decent football. He played what you would call winning football, good enough to win the game. And so I do think that Ryman um, is going to have a better year. And I think overall, collectively, as a line, you think last year you're playing with a quarterback that can't move in the pocket and you're throwing the ball down the field versus now with Richardson you know, or Minshew. What kind of offense are we running? You saw hurry up already in the preseason. I love that. You saw different formations. You saw us running zone reads, RPOs design quarterback runs, quick passes, all those different type of things will definitively help the offensive line and think, now you're coming from a position as a lineman when you get to be aggressive, you get to tee off, you get to run the ball more versus, hey, we're going to drop back in a seven, five-step drop. Those are long afternoons. And so just that in itself and Shane's different type of offense and approach I think is going to be really good. I love seeing the no huddle early. And that was another thing I was impressed with Richardson I thought he ran the show well, meaning he got guys in and out of the huddle, no pre-snap penalties. They did some different no-huddle stuff. They huddled. He was pointing out you know, a couple different things protection-wise, which you like to see. And so, again, he had the bad interception, and he'll learn over time, hey, you can't pump fake and, and then try to slip one in there, just throw it out of bounds and sail it high. But overall, uh, I was impressed with him from the QB spot. And Joe Wright is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. You heard him and Matt Taylor on the call on Saturday, and you will hear that duo again coming up Saturday night with the Bears inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Joe, I thought run game-wise, to me what stood out when Richardson was in the game, it's pretty amazing how much a defense has to freeze when you have a run threat at quarterback, like particularly those guys on the edge, it just seems like there's a little bit of a hesitancy to it. And I thought the O line blocked pretty well. I thought Deion, Deion Jackson had a couple of nice runs, but I I feel like, and you would be, I feel like the perfect person to ask this to, like just a run threat at quarterback has got to do so much for an offensive line, just like feeling, I don't know, that they're like a half step quicker in being able to get to their block because, again, the defense just has to kind of pause for a second thinking there is a dual threat nature back there of, yeah, we expect him to give it to Jackson or Evan Hall or whoever, but if he keeps it, we obviously have to account for him as well. No doubt, and I'll get a little technical, but think, if you're running a zone you know, run to the right, and there's no threat of a quarterback run. Well, it's easier for those linebackers to flow fast, play side, or run downhill, right? But if you have a quarterback that could pull the ball and run the other way, all of a sudden those linebackers are in a position of conflict. So what does that allow you to do? One, it allows you to solidify more time on the double teams. A lot of times linemen will they'll double team like a nose guard, and then one guy will slide off to the linebacker. Well, think of the linebacker shooting the gap. Boom, that left guard, Quinton's got to come off the block, and now Ryan's one-on-one with the nose. But now these linebackers that don't quite know which way we're going to go, is Richardson going to pull the ball and run the other way? It gives you more time to solidify those double teams, which means more movement, which means moving the line of scrimmage. So that's a small thing, but a really big thing that can help this O-line. And again, when I watch Richardson, the biggest thing that stuck out to me watching him live is, yes, we know how athletic he is, and we know just – the threat of a running quarterback, but it is going to be really hard for one individual defender to bring him down. And what I mean by that is he shook a guy five yards deep in the backfield, turned a five-yard loss into a five-yard game. And that was a first-round pick who we, who, yeah. who we shook yeah. off him, yeah. Who's a big dude, by the way. But I just think it it's going to be hard in the open field for one guy to get him down. And there's the threat of a running quarterback. There's the threat of a, a running quarterback-type offense. And there's also that combined with the, the uber-unique skill sets and traits of Richardson, that's what really excited me, too, and stood out. You know, Joe, kind of going off that, that that question, this leads to my next point, and, and obviously we don't have all the answers on this, but I wanted to get your thoughts. I watched the offense operate in those three series with Richardson. I thought, man, can you imagine what a home run hitter at running back would look like with him? 
Because, you know, it's one thing for Deion Jackson and Evan Hold to try and get to the first, second level. But all of a sudden, if you give Jonathan Taylor a head of steam with three or four yards, if nobody touching him, we've seen what he can do um, from afar. What do you make of this Jonathan Taylor situation? I just think it's uh, unfortunate that this is where we're at. And um, I don't know, it sounds like uh, I haven't been on the Twitterverse this morning, but he's going to report to to camp is, is what I read last night. And, um, so yeah, I'm hopeful that something gets worked out. Cause I agree with you. I mean, the, the home run threat of, of Taylor combined with Richardson and combined with, you know, Shane's offense. And, uh, yeah, I'm obviously it was vanilla in the game, but you know, my mind just started wondering though, man, what kind of play calls and concepts and stuff are we going to see week one in Jackson, Jacksonville? I just think there's, there's so much that you can do, Kevin. You hit the nail on the head when you have that running threat as a quarterback. And that's been the new NFL, right? That's been the NFL that's been coming for the last three, four, five years. It started with spread in college football, and then all these high schools are running it, and fourth-grade teams are running shotgun zone read. And I think that's what you're kind of seeing trickle up. And the Colts have not done that, right? The last 25 years we've been uh, – had a lot of really good success, but it's all been with a drop-back passer. And so when I just think about that, man, what's the future going to look like for this team? I, I do get really excited. Um, and so and we remain to be seen. There's a, there's a lot to lot to do. Again, Richardson's got a ton to work on. But, again, summing it up, it was uh, net positive, in my opinion, a little bit better than I would have expected, and I think that's exciting. But to me, fellas, the preseason really started Saturday. And what I mean by that is you got Buffalo – you got two joint practices against the Bears. They'll be dialed up. You got another preseason game. You got more joint practice with the Eagles in another game. To me, this next two weeks is the most critical time in the development of this football team and especially for the young guys and the rookies. So I think you might have kind of answered my question there, Joe, but I was just about to ask you this. You know, for the Colts, for this organization, Andrew Luck was the incredible Hulk with like this amazing touch and timing with his passing. But the entire city would hold their breath and was like, why are they running the football with him? Do not run. Do not run. Throw it out of bounds. Quit running the ball. You're going to get hurt. And he got hurt repeatedly. Why suddenly now is it run the ball? Why are you throwing? Run the ball. You're huge. You're athletic. Get out in space. Is there a danger here? Have we completely changed our tune on the ways that you schematically keep quarterbacks clean when incorporating a running game. Yeah, I mean, I do think so. You look at you know the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, and, and I think, but there's a difference in being uh, a dual threat quarterback. There's a difference in being a drop back passer that's you know really athletic and can run. And I think you, you'll see different types of things. But in my opinion, there's ways to run the football and do it effectively and not take big direct hits. And this is a completely different position, but remember Marvin Harrison? I mean, that, that guy never got hit. He got the ball, he ran, he got down, he was smart, he got out of bounds, and it was a great strategy and program for him. And I think that's what you coach your quarterback up to do. Okay, this is a designed run, it's a play, but I don't need to take the direct hit. I don't need to take a middle linebacker head on. Now, it's fourth and one at the goal line. You're going to do everything you can to get in there. But overall, throughout the course of the game, to me, it's about running smart, about sliding, about getting out of bounds. And, you know, the NFL is they're continuing to make changes to the game to try to make QB play safer. So I don't think you're going to go out there and be running, you know, be like Ron Colley High School and running, you know, power sweep right and left with your quarterback. But I do think that you'll see a lot more designed runs where with Andrew it was different. It was more hey, he was breaking contain or linemen like me weren't doing their job and there was leakage and so he was getting out and running. So I think that's kind of the the big philosophical difference between one, these two guys, and then two, just the way that both uh, coaches and offensive coordinators are going to be calling the plays. At 44 career starts in his time with the Colts, he is Joe Wrights. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joe, we'll end with this. Um, Would you start Anthony Richardson week one? First off, when you said 44, I thought you were going to come Dela Cruz and talk about the Reds. Let's go. We squeaked one out last night, Bowen. Joe, yeah, I was so nervous. Like we're going to win the division, but uh, we, we, we got to get into this wild card. I, I was so nervous watching extra innings last night there, but hell of an effort by Chris Duarte's brother there to uh, to hold the Pirates and get a much-needed split. It's all about the wild card. No one's catching the Brewers. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, um, if it was me, I would start Richardson week one. I've kind of gone back and forth and flip-flopped 
Um, I would say if you had asked me that before training camp, I'd have said, well, maybe you start Minshew for four or five games, and then it's a natural progression to Richardson. Obviously, you know, you expect him to play a lot at quarterback this year. But after watching him and kind of seeing the, the command that he had um, against Buffalo, I would. I think that if it was me and I was the head coach and making the decision, I would uh, gear up and I would attack the next couple weeks with the idea that obviously things can change at any time, but he'd be your week one starter against Jacksonville. When Shane Steichen went to bed after the game, what is the one thing that was most bothering him? Tell me the one area of the team, Joe. Uh, we did the good. Tell me the bad slash ugly. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a head coach, you're going to have 50 different things. For me, it was some situational football. We had a key penalty that took away a touchdown in the first half. We had a third and one and a fourth and one we did not get with our starting unit. We had another fourth and one later we didn't get with our starting unit. So, to me, those situational things being better, you know, penalties at inopportune times, those are the things, those uh, self-inflicted wounds, shooting yourself in the foot that drive a coach nuts, and I'm sure that was the uh, critical point to the tape that they were coaching up, you know, to the guys uh, today. Diehard Reds fan, did you ever think about coming out of the bullpen at HSE? No, I did not. I mean, I probably topped out arm strength at about 71, 72. Mm. I don't know that you can get a lot done in uh, high school baseball there. But uh, I, I, was, I was a pretty good baseball player. I was a catcher growing up to about sixth grade. And when kids started throwing curveballs, it was done. It was over for me. And I said, hey, we're going to just shut this down. And don't they throw curveballs now like at age six? Yeah, that's why kids all have Tommy John surgery at age 12. Because yep. A bunch of parents think it's fun and smart to play 500 different sporting events year-round in all sports. Uh, I'll save my youth sports thoughts for maybe another time, Kevin. You can get me back on here. But, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. 71 or 72 miles per hour. That's, that was like watching Matt Ryan last year play quarterback <laughs> for the Colts. Uh, coming up Saturday night, it's a 7 o'clock kick inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. You're going to hear Joe Wrights alongside Matt Taylor, Jeffrey Gorman on the radio call. Joe, thank you, man. Great stuff. Great seeing you last week. All right. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. Overcast. It was raining when I was turned to walk into a jog out to my car this morning. No more rain, it looks like, Jake, or at least for now. Oh, it's blind melon. Um, what's that? It's the eye roll for that reference. Why? That was no rain. That was the joke. I don't think it was a joke. It was just simply a play on words. No. Listen, l- l- let me let me just be real clear here, okay, and be real frank. I've waited. We've done this show for how be long? Be real, Jake. Don't be real frank. <laughs> I, we've done this show for how long now? Has it been 19 months, something like that? Something like that. 20, 21 like, months. like dog years. I think 21 months, right? I've just sit here, and I have held my breath and bitten my tongue for 21 months each time these little smart aleck comments come up the gloves are off i got four days left okay this camaraderie and chemistry people talked about that they liked let me tell you something all a charade and now all of a sudden all hell's gonna break loose right so when when i make a fabulous reference like a no rain mark i expect nothing but complete having my back there and if not then then i'm just not gonna sit here and take it anymore i'm i'm like twisted sister I'm not going to take it. People were asking in this divorce. Uh, <laughs> to make you 0 for 2 right there. <laughs> Who gets Mark Dykton? And we're going to keep him here in the morning. It appears as though you won the custody battle. Jake gets Why? me on the weekends and holidays. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got full. <laughs> hey, Jake, happy Arbor Day. I'm here. Full custody right here, Mark Dykton. <laughs> see, here's but the thing, Mark. Say, Mark, send some of those sounders to me. What more does it tell you, Mark, about how much you love me than the fact that if you get me on holidays, you're claiming Arbor Day just to make the jump over? Yeah. What what else, right? Split a PBR? <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, by the way, Colts over the weekend playing the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, we've talked plenty about that, and we just got you up to speed on what happened in the world of racing as well. But, uh, Kevin, you know, the reality is probably, and for those that are unaware, um, the, the reason we're joking around here, and it is joking around, obviously, is I will be moving one week from today to the noon slot. So I will be doing the show from 12 until 3. Jimmy Cook will be joining me for the first week. As a matter of fact, on Wednesday, a week from this Wednesday, uh, I'm off for the day for a previously arranged day. And Jimmy will be manning the controls there. Nothing like taking over a show show and then immediately jumping ship. It's the way we do it. I do think Andy, our our new morning host, he's welcoming in his first child here coming up pretty soon. So. Shout out to him and his wife. You guys going to call me back? Come in for a few days? Oh, yeah. Six hours of Jake. 
Seven that, to ten, that's, and then that's go home, what take the a nap, world, and then noon That's to what three. the world needs more of, right? Yeah. I believe Andy Sweeney, by the way, going to be joining us at some point this week to get to know him a little bit more. Well, they should let me know so I can take the day off. Before uh, he joins us in full capacity coming up a week from Monday. Um, so Colts camp, obviously, tomorrow we will be back out there. If you're going to Colts camp tomorrow, um, the code will not work today because Quack Daddy Donuts is closed. But if you go up to Colts camp, keep in mind, 161st-ish in Spring Mill right there, Quack Daddy Donuts in Westfield. You can go in, use the code word Jake tomorrow. And what better code word than that? For $3 off a dozen donuts, and of course they have fabulous coffee there, a wide variety of fantastic donuts. Lots of love about Quack Daddy Donuts. We absolutely love them. You will as well if you are going to Colts Camp. Perfect way to start out your day. The things that you want to see at Colts Camp, Kevin, when we are there tomorrow, um, you know, kind of based off of the the game itself, either something that you feel is an area of improvement or somebody that kind of intrigued you where you thought, I want to see where they go from here and whether or not they can continue what they did. Well, I mean, let's go with the elephant in the room. Obviously, the Jonathan Taylor situation. Will he be back at Grand Park? Shane Steichen says that he should be. Uh, he's not sure of the exact date. And I hate to, like, examine this calendar too, too much here, but I think we have to with Taylor's situation, Jake. Final week of Grand Park. Final week of Colts training camp is right here. They'll practice tomorrow morning starting at 9 a.m. Then they'll go with the Bears on Wednesday and Thursday. That's it for practices this week. They play Chicago on Saturday. If you look ahead to next week, they're boarding a plane for Philadelphia on Monday. So a week from today, they will board a plane for Philly. They'll have one joint practice with the Eagles on Tuesday. Then they will play their final preseason game on Thursday. So if we look at the next two weeks of camp, let's call it five practices for the Colts. Three of them are joint practices. One is a, I believe it's only an hour session tomorrow. And then I guess they might practice a week from Monday before they board that plane to Philadelphia. But that's obviously you know, 48 hours after a game. I can't imagine it's going to be too, too active. So if you are looking for Jonathan Taylor to return to the Colts slash potentially make his first practice debut of the calendar year, I, I just don't see where he would do that or maybe when he would do that. There's no chance that Taylor, personally, and I would think the Colts, would want him to make his practice debut against another team. I, I don't. You want him to be in as a controlled environment as possible as he gets back to work. So if he's not out there tomorrow morning, then that would leave a week from today in what I would assume would be a pretty light session as the only time between now and next weekend to when Taylor could practice. Jake, if we get to next weekend, and I'm talking August 26th, 27th, and Taylor has still yet to practice, by that point, you are two weeks away from the start of the regular season. What's the easiest plug-and-play position? Uh, it's probably running back. I mean, don't you want like you know? Could they just? Here's the thing, though. But but I, I guess what but I'm getting at is for your quarterback, though. What what you know? How much does Anthony Richardson need Taylor out there in as much advance as possible? I mean, you watch the game on Saturday, and my thought was, and I said this to Joe Wrights a few minutes ago. You watch some of the run lanes, and Deion Jackson had a really nice outing. I think it was like six carries for 35 yards with the starters. But imagining Taylor, the home run hitter versus just another guy there, now all of a sudden you're taking a six-yard gain. And how many times last year, Jake, did you watch the Colts offensive line and Taylor's having to dodge guys in the backfield? I didn't see Deion Jackson having to dodge a whole lot of guys in the backfield. I think that run threat with Richardson, it freezes that defensive end for a split second. Boom, now all of a sudden Taylor's getting to the linebackers with a full head of steam. What can he do with that? But I think when you look at that calendar, and I know it probably doesn't make for the best radio, but if you get to a week from Sunday and Taylor is yet to practice, is two weeks enough time for him to be ready for the start of the season when he's missed 10 months, nine months? Uh, I, I mean, I've been asking that the whole time, right? Is like, Taylor going to start the season on the physically unable to perform list? Is he going to miss a month, a month plus into the season? Like, these are all questions that I feel like increased relevancy has been there now based off we are at the midway point of August, and Taylor is yet to practice. 
and again, I, I will echo what I Just said. Just the, the timing hour. of everything else around it, right? Well, I, I'll echo what I said in the opening hour. I think both both of these sides are extremely dug in. I, I do not, you know, like it sounds like Zach Martin and the Cowboys are potentially reaching a little bit of a finish line with this, and he could be back and everything. You know, most holdout guys they eventually get back on the field. You know, somewhat quickly into the month of August. I could be proven wrong, but I I don't think we're there with Taylor and the Colts. Uh, hey Jake, can we please not keep talking about the three Musketeers only having a weekend left? The morning drive won't be the same come next Monday. Going to miss this trio on my commute. Love the show and know you will do great on the midday show. This one hurts. Um, That's very nice of Shannon to say that. <laughs> Mike Byron on the on the text there. No. First off, uh, it, who are the three Musketeers? You ever think about that? Like, do they have names? Boy, I can't say that thought has ever crossed. But my do mind. they have names? Do you, do you, Mark's, Mark, what are we doing this program? We Mark? educate and entertain. That's right. But now, I don't know about the last part, but the first part, we have a chance to actually do a little of that here. Do, do we know for the Three Musketeers? Do they have right names? Now. If you had to guess what are the names of the Three Musketeers, I'm guessing <laughs> Nothing I would have guessed. There, there's a Roberto. No. Uh, a, a Ricardo. Mm-mm. And, and um, an Antonio, right? The Three Amigos, I think I, you just named. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Oh, well, I'm Aramis. Which one do you want to be? This is how it's going to be for the next five days, isn't it? This is full on like, I'm going to take advantage of the substitute teacher. <laughs> it's Athos the last is a, day of school. <laughs> Athos is a fighter and drinker. Oh. <laughs> okay. Porthos, so okay. Porthos is a pirate and a lover. Okay. And Aramis is a priest and poet. Oh, well, I'm not Aramis. I would be, who's the middle fella? The pirate and lover. Oh, Porthos. yeah. Was Aramis Ramirez a beloved cub or no? He's, he was a pirate. Too. He had a huge home run. It was a pirate. I loved Aramis Ramirez. So which one do you want to be, Mark? Uh, Are you the... Kevin's the religious fellow and you're the drinker? Well, is that right? I'm I, the, I, yeah, I had my fill over the weekend. Athos, I guess, is me. You had your fill of what? Drinking. Really? Yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I was drinking over church. My dad's cousin over, had his 70th over, birthday yeah. and it was open bar and Woo! Mark Dykton took advantage. And this was where? This was uh, at the VFW in uh, New Lenox, Indy, Illinois. Do you remember, I, I remember once, since we did this show, uh, do you remember that one weekend you stayed here? I don't recall that. <laughs> well, if they stay here, they go to two Indians games. That's right. That's true. You, you yeah. get two beer bats, you right? up at left field at Victory Field. Honestly, the Dykton family, extremely entertaining. We are. We go all over the place. We were at the State Fair last night, drinking a, what was it, the... Was yesterday the final day for the State Fair? No, no I think it was another week. 20th? Yeah. But we are not giving away tickets anymore, is that right? No, we've got Jethro Tull tickets and uh, Jim Ursay Collection concert tickets we have to give away. Got a double dose of prizes. Look at that. Ursay Collection coming up in a few Fridays. By the way, the Sun King beer of the deep fried uh, sandwich cookie beer was outstanding. Excuse me. Wait, what, do that, that again? Yeah. It was the uh, Sun King has a special beer at the Indiana State Fair. Okay. And it was the State Fair Deep Fried Sandwich Cookie Pastry Ale. It was outstanding. So that's what it tastes like. It's yeah. a beer that's made to taste like a deep fried... It so delicious. it's not a deep fried beer. No. <laughs> That'd be absurd. Did you, you have the try dessert it, though, tent you? I would it? try it. It was outstanding. A lot lighter than I thought it would what be. What other foods did you have at the fair? I don't think we really had any foods. What the hell are you doing there? Oh, we walked around. Did you see the world's largest boar? I did. Were the Nerf footballs on display? Uh-huh. Okay. Any, Saw any Boomer. Boomer there? was hanging out for a little bit. Boomer would be so hot. Isaiah Wong was over there. Did you take the little sky ride? We did not, no. My daughter wanted to. My wife wanted no part of it. What about any rides? The the, the Alpine chat? You know, with the crazy music? Do that again, please. <laughs> and then it's got like the, you know. We did that. We saw the animals. We did the uh, evolution of the game basketball situation. The fever and... Pacers and high school hoops thing was all over there. It was fun it, time. It's honestly hard to cross everything off the list. It, it was a lot. One day there. Skillet was performing. The band was playing at the free stage. Oh, did you see the uh, cheese sculpture? I did not. No no cheese sculpture. Didn't see it. Not the butter cold, uh, sculpture Took like the, Caitlin Clark and I. The Thin Mint Cookie Shake. That was outstanding oh, yeah. as well. That oh, was yeah. very good. Mozzarella Stop at the dairy bar? Oh, yeah, of course. That was the first stop. Uh, Jake, again, from afar, um, Anthony Richardson, yay, nay? I think for the most part, yay. I, you know, there are concerns. You want to throw a letter grade on it? B minus? C plus? I mean, the pick was, 
he probably, you know, obviously you want that one back, but he's not the only quarterback ever to throw a pick. Um, I like the way that they were able to scheme and use him in running plays a little bit. But again, I'm going to go back to my previous question, which is, I get it. This is today's NFL, but it's interesting to me that like we're coming off of the last time that we had a franchise quarterback in Indianapolis to talk about. It was, do not run the ball. Don't. You're going to get hurt. And now it's like, they got to run him more. And they're of equal size. I always thought the issues with luck and running was... When he decided to do it. Well, his sliding looked like Rosie Bowen trying to slide. Right. He didn't like doing it, that's for sure. It was so awkward, remember? There'd be yeah. times where he'd like try and slide. I'd be like, did he just break his ankle? Yeah. Um, I thought there were some moments, particularly when they got stuffed on the third and one and fourth and one, that honestly, it's like, oh, you'd probably like to see Richardson keep one of those. And sure, that that's going to be a balance you will have throughout his career. Um the interception, I, I think, is much more on Isaiah McKenzie. But having said that, again, that's a play where as soon as Richardson realizes McKenzie has run the wrong route, then you got to eat it. And you either take a sack or you throw the ball into the stands there. Um, but I would say more than the production, and I thought they moved the ball really well, um, I think you had to be pleased by how he responded. Like that's why you want him to be in game settings. I mean, you throw an interception on your opening drive as a uh, as a rookie quarterback. Didn't Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning both throw touchdowns on their first passes in the preseason? Peyton Manning first ever was an eighty yard touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison. I remember that. Luck threw like a dump to Donald Brown, and he took off for a uh, for a touchdown. It, you know, obviously he probably had to sit on the bench and be like, "Damn." <laughs> <laughs> that is not how I envisioned this opening drive going. And then he starts inside the 10, and I thought led a couple of pretty nice drives and multiple first downs. That final drive, I think, was 14 plays. And really, you, you had the Pierce drop, and Farrell Brown got a big holding penalty, or else they probably punched that in for a touchdown. Matt Gay, inexcusable to be missing a 28-yard field goal. Which, by the way, can we discuss that? I mean, that was a lot of money you paid. I mean, I realize it's a preseason field goal. Who cares, right? Can you imagine if he misses that in the regular season? Yeah, awful. I mean, that's their big That's their big signing, right? Yeah. And I, don't give me this like, wind excuse. It was 28 yards. You make the kick. Um, but I thought that was probably the most impressive. That's why I probably gave him a solid B. Do you think it's he gave that- us four minutes on radio because he had to go practice missing 26 yarders? Maggie? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of our shorter interviews, wasn't it? <laughs> you think? Yeah. yeah. He yeah. sits down like, sorry, guys, he was kicking. He's got three and a half minutes. Okay. But I would say how Richardson Spell your responded. last name again. Okay, thanks for coming by. <laughs> that second and third drive, both of them were better than the first. And those are moments why you put him in a game. How do you respond to this stuff? He didn't – I mean, that was his 14th – it's kind of crazy to think. Yesterday or Saturday was his 14th start since high school. I mean, that is such a small – sample size and Joe Wright's pointed this out and we've seen it in in camp they're going to be using the shotgun a whole lot and they use a ton of tempo in camp I was surprised they used as much in a game I thought they'd want to keep that a little bit more in reserve there Um, yes the underneath accuracy is going to have to improve but the thing about Richardson is he's able to and you saw the ball to Pierce the big playability can offset some of that as long as those end in incompletions the big play stuff can offset it. Yes, he's got to be more accurate. You know, Michael Pittman's having to extend big time to make a catch, and, and he threw the other one kind of high to Pittman. But I think overall, yeah, I'd give him a solid B. I'd probably say B to B plus in just how he responded from, from the interception. If you look at other quarterbacks that were, you know, getting kind of their first chance to really show, I would say he probably was on par with what C.J. Stroud did. Um Will Levis is apparently struggling in Tennessee. Malik Willis has, has kind of pulled away from him, at least as of now. Trey Lance, San Francisco, again, kind of mixed bag. I think probably they're having that. What's the morning show in San Francisco? Do we know, Mark? No. Well, let's find out. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Stroud and Bryce Young, I mean, they barely played. Uh- you know, I mean, what, C.J. Stroud was 2 of 4 the pick. So, I mean, that would be like Richardson exiting after the first series. Um, yeah. And Bryce Young, I think, I thought he saw he was 4 of 6. Um, that's what I continue to like about Shane Steichen's approach with Richardson. They are so willing to leave him in there to play him. I mean, Jake, he played 29 snaps. That's a big number. That's a That's half of a regular season game 
they played him in those three series. And obviously, kudos to Richardson in leading a 14-play drive there in his final series where it's like he's going to exit during the middle of the drive. What, what's the show there in San Fran? The Morning Roast with Bonta and Shasky. And which would you... Kevin, would like you rather f- be Bonta or Shasky? Sounds like a fake name, to be honest with you. Uh, probably Bonta. The Morning Roast, wouldn't that be in Seattle? You would think so. Bonta Hill and Joe Shasky. Six to ten. You see there, they're going to change the morning show name for us. The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Snooze button at noon. They didn't, they didn't seem to be as thrilled with my suggestion that we called the noon show the snooze button. I thought it was... Query and company snoozing. That's right. Um, so those guys, though, uh, what is it? Bon- Bonco and Snooty? Is that what you said? <laughs> no. Bonta and Shasky. <laughs> okay. So so those fellas, th- that sounds like two, the, the generic sodas at the grocery store, right? I'll yeah. take a Shasky, please, a grape one. Those guys are talking this morning, having the same conversation that we are probably about Trey Lance, and he's been around for like five years now. You just never know at the quarterback position. Kenny Pickett had looked pretty good in Pittsburgh, but he's had a year under his belt, but still growing, still learning, still trying to figure out where he is. I mean, that's the reality. Like, I think that we want immediate results, immediate answers, immediate solidification of your decision one way or the other. Ryan Leaf looked like the guy. I remember I was covering the game when Ryan Leaf spiked the ball in the end zone at the RCA Dome and... Peyton Manning had thrown a pick or two and Leaf threw like a second touchdown for the Chargers. And all of us, to a man and woman, all of us were sitting there in the top row of the press box at the RCA Dome going, they picked the wrong guy. They picked the wrong guy. This guy's this this guy's San Diego is going to win like three Super Bowls. And literally, I, you know, three years later, it's like, well, okay. So you just never know. Joel A. Erickson from the Star is going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Joel was in Buffalo over the weekend. We'll get his thoughts from seeing Anthony Richardson in person. If there's anything also to add on the Jonathan Taylor front, uh, Shane Sykin does expect Taylor to be back at Grand Park this week, but no commitment on when he will be cleared and if Taylor will practice at Grand Park or anytime soon. All right, let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline. His brewers have all but clenched the NL Central. What? Plenty of season left. Not what? even to September. Mark, have you ever heard of a jinx? Come on. You just want you do want to wear that tank top again, I think. I thought I had gotten some compliments. There were some females in Hamilton County that that, that commented on yeah, okay. it. I I'm not gonna lie. Joel A. Erickson joins us now from the star. Joel, have you rocked that tank top since I wore it last? Uh yes. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hang Big on. go-to for Joel. He was at the you were at the anchor bar on Friday night in Buffalo, wearing it, asking them to turn to the Brewers game. Uh, listen, here, here's the thing: a tank top's like a handkerchief. You loan that to a buddy, it's theirs. There's no coming back, right? Jake, I'm a skunk. Uh, I mean, I don't care how much Purell, sanitize, like whatever. Zero chance. You wear my tank top, I'm ever putting it on again. Well, Joel's just a different, considerate human, and it, sharing is caring, is what is what we say to Rosie Bowen. So, Joel, thank you for for being a great share. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that, that's what washing machines are for, right? Thank you. I mean, yeah. I mean, the NL Central is over, right, Joel? Brewers, would, would you Would no. you wear another no. guy's boxers? No, the, NL Central is, the NL Central is not over. Three and a half so, up, so. month and a half to go. Great pitching. It's over. Brewers have Brewers have Dodgers, Rangers, Twins coming up, and the Cubs are playing no one. I'm I'm very concerned about the Chicago Cubs. Hell yeah, that's what I like to hear. But you aren't concerned about the Reds, Joel? Do you think the C on the Cubs hat stands for Chicago or Cubs? That's I've never been asked that before. I've never considered it. I'm gonna go Chicago. Welcome to my life, Joel. But it ends here in a week. Thank the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Joel A. Erickson with worth. us here from the Indianapolis Star, uh, back from Buffalo. Uh, Joel, I'll leave it pretty open-ended. Um, I thought production-wise, pretty solid from Richardson. I thought the response, I would grade that even higher from the interception. Uh, what were your thoughts on the 29 snaps from the rookie? Yeah, kind of the same. I thought that I thought in terms of some of the misses and stuff that happened early, I think I think the Colts are just going to have to live with those for a little while. You know, some of the uh, off the back foot type of stuff, but in terms of you know everyone talked about the poise and the way he bounced back, and I thought that was that was big in terms of 
you know, there were other rookie quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, who I think their starts, their, their starts to their careers started bad and got worse. His his got better. But I thought the other interesting thing was just, you know, Shane Steichen came into the press room after the game and tried to take responsibility for the interception. Uh, we went in the locker room, and his teammates tried to, um, you know, push blame elsewhere for the interception, saying that wasn't really his fault. And it wasn't entirely his fault. Isaiah McKenzie did make a mistake. Um, but when we got to Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson was like, yeah, okay, that that happened, but I've got to make a better ball. I've got to throw a better ball. I've got to throw it away. I've got to do something else. And I thought that that was um, as impressive to me as the poise in bouncing back was the, the willingness as the quarterback to say, okay, it wasn't perfect, but I still can't make that throw. You know, I, I've kind of been on this this morning. I asked Joe Wrights this. It was the first time really I had this like thought pop into my head. But as I watched some design run plays for Anthony Richardson, and there's no doubt that that is going to be a, a huge part of his game because of his, his athleticism and just his physique in general, Joel. But Andrew Luck was the exact – was it not exact – was a similar build and obviously a great athlete. And yet with Andrew Luck it was – well, a huge part of why Andrew Luck was hurt all the time was because he he would run the football and, and he was exposing himself to injury. Why the change in approach in the NFL? Just I think just because, um, you know, the NFL in general is going to take whatever it can get from a player right away, you know, I, I with Luck, I think that the the passing was so obvious that everyone talked about that as he was coming up, that there was there – was, So there wasn't the need for the running game, right? Yeah, and, that was, and that's also – I mean, now that we're talking about – that's more than a decade ago that he entered the league. Your running quarterback has become a, a much bigger part of it since then. Um, so that people didn't think about it as much. Uh, now, now, now it's just if, – if you've got a guy who can run, you run him. Um, I I agree with you. The the injury concern is is obviously there uh, with any running quarterback. I, I the 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 way I usually talk about this when we're in the media room is like I used to cover Auburn, so I've been around Cam Newton some. And if you can hurt Cam Newton, you can hurt anybody. So uh, and obviously at the end of Cam Newton's career, he did you know his career was probably shortened by how much he ran and where he ran for the Panthers early on. So. Uh, the injury concern is there, but it just seems like the NFL with, with running quarterbacks is like we're we're just going to do it anyway. We we don't we'll worry about the consequences later. And Joel A. Erickson is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, I want to shift gears to Jonathan Taylor, and again Shane Steichen saying he should be back at camp. I, I tried to lay out the schedule for our listening audience here over the next couple of weeks, and I, I'm finding it difficult to pick a date on when Taylor might actually practice like they're going to go tomorrow for an hour against themselves Colts versus Colts so I I guess maybe then but again I'm not holding my breath I don't think you would throw him out for the joint practices at all that would be Wednesday Thursday and then again next Tuesday in Philly if you look at the next two weeks the only days they practice again in a controlled environment with their own teammates is tomorrow and then I guess maybe next Monday but I would assume that will be a light session considering it's on the heels of a game, 48 hours away from that Bears game. And then also they're going to board a plane for Philly uh, next Monday as well. If you get to like next weekend, which would be the 26th, all of a sudden you're two weeks out from the start of the season. Um, have you like circled a date or anything where it's like, man, all of a sudden I, I don't know when he's going to practice, if he's going to be able to have enough practice time to be ready week one because – Taylor is a dude that we saw last year. He's not going to give it a go unless he is, in my opinion, full, full go. I I tried to find a date uh, the last time we had the assistant coaches. DeAndre Smith came, and I was with him, with Taylor and with Moss, really, because Moss's uh, arm, you would think he can probably run with that, do conditioning, that kind of thing. Um, so that, that six weeks, it kind of comes up right around there. And I was asking with both of them, like, how much practice they need to have. And I got the, the answer I got back was it's a case by case basis. It's different for different players, which is not a, a great, 
great answer for getting a date on the calendar. Um, probably a great answer for a coach, uh, at least from, from the way they look at it. But I did try to that out because, especially with Taylor having not practiced at all, um, although, I mean, Moss, I guess, is, hasn't really practiced much either. What, Quentin Nelson, a couple of years ago, um, started the regular season with fairly minimal lead-up time. I don't know. Like, I wonder if it's different for a running back, if it's different for a quarterback, if it's different for an offensive lineman in terms of that. But yeah, but it's like Moss and – Nelson had that foot surgery. It wasn't – he wasn't – back for very long and I think he started the season opener right I guess I'm going back to last year when Taylor had such that just weird ankle situation where start stop start stop he doesn't play the last three games again he strikes me as a dude that like I maybe the contract situation emphasizes this more Jake but based off how he handled his own ankle situation last year I just think he's going to be so hesitant to give it a go unless he feels 110%. And like Zach Moss, I mean, he practiced in the first couple of practices of camp. Right. Like Taylor hasn't been on a field in a practice game setting for nine months now. Yeah, and and the ankle thing, I, I do, you're probably right. The, the the fact that he came back and by, by the carries they were giving him, they thought he was, he was fully back, you know, last year. And then he gets hurt again. I, I do wonder how much that plays into it in terms of, you know, I've really got to feel like this ankle is a hundred percent before I go. Um, it's it's hard to know just considering how how much and it's it's crazy to say this, but how much uh, time we've talked about Jonathan Taylor and how little of it has been uh, marked by us actually talking to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, we don't we don't have a whole lot of answers on some of that stuff from him. Last thing on Taylor, I guess, is there anything that you would maybe want to add to the story? I, I, I said in the opening hour, I think both sides are extremely dug in. I don't see this getting to a, a resolution here very quickly. Could be wrong on that, but that's m- my opinion. Again, saying Steichen says we expect him back this week. Uh, anything more to add on the Taylor front? It, it feels like they're in. I'm, I'm with you. It feels like they're in this holding pattern now. And I don't, I don't know what breaks the holding pattern. I don't know if it's the the specter of the regular season. Um, obviously, you don't want to lose. If you're Taylor, you wouldn't want to lose your salary for the season. But I don't necessarily know what the what the breaking point is here. Joel, do you believe that the P on the Phillies hat is for Philadelphia or for Phillies? <laughs> that's a that's a question for for crack Colts PR man. Matt Conti. Is he a Phillies guy? I'm going with the city, though. I think I'm going to keep going with the city in these. So the M on Marlins, though, didn't they have that before they became the Miami Marlins? It was Florida Marlins, and then they went to Miami Marlins, and they kept the M, although it was F with Florida, so maybe it is M for Miami. I was say there was an F. Yeah, yeah there, there was, was an, an F, F at one, one point. point. You know, the F in the, the Falcons logo is actually an F for Falcons. That's, that's also subtle. <laughs> um, with, with Jonathan Taylor, back to that. Number of weeks Jonathan Taylor needs to be on the field to be 100% in your opinion, and is it less about Taylor getting down pat what he needs to do and more about Richardson absolutely needs him out there to get timing? So I asked Jim Bob Cooter about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, because now it's not just a normal handoff. It's it's the zone read handoff. It's the read option handoff. We've all seen – plays like that go badly when they, they, the running backs and quarterback don't have a feel for what's going on. They have a fumble. And um, in all honesty, I thought Cooter kind of poo-pooed the idea that they would need a lot of time together on that timing, which kind of surprised me. But he's a coach and I'm not. He was saying, like, these guys are professionals. And that's uh, he's, he, was, he basically said at the end of his answer, he was like, and, and that's a handoff thing that, like, they just have to be able to do. Um. So that's that's the way the coaching staff sees it. I, I my initial thought was, you know, with the, with the stuff that I expected them to do with Anthony Richardson, that there was going to have to be some feel and timing and chemistry there, even if it was a little bit. But he he did kind of poo poo it and make it like, hey, there's probably going to be a lot of running backs going in and out. They just got to be able to handle it. Just a note to. Papu references and a cooter comment in the same answer. Mark Dykton could be taking that audio here. Um, Got a busy, busy afternoon ahead Mm -hmm. of me. Yeah. Uh, Joel Erickson joins us here from the Indianapolis Star. Apologies, Joel, for that. Uh, 
Other <laughs> other guys of note from Saturday. Obviously, Shaquille Leonard playing, I think, is something that stood out. I thought Josh Downs did a lot of the things we've seen Josh Downs do in training camp. I think Grant Stewart, the linebacker, just made another tackle. Uh, offensive line depth you'd probably put in the negative category. Uh, what else non-Richardson division uh, did you note from Saturday? Um, that We only saw six snaps from the first team defense. Uh, one of them was nullified by a penalty. Didn't didn't love initially the run defense we saw there. I mean, who knows? It's just six snaps, small sample size, but yeah, poor contain there. Stuff. Yeah, the contain especially that that was the biggest thing to me was that some of the contain was was pretty rough in the in the run game. I thought that uh, this this might go against what, what other people thought, but just because of the the big play, but I thought that. Alec Pierce getting open in a couple of different ways was encouraging. I mean, I know he didn't bring in the deep ball, um, but I, I just I feel like I feel like he was he was he was open a couple times. And one, I thought Richardson missed him, and then obviously he had the he had the ball that popped out, dropped on the uh, on the deep ball. But uh, you know that 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 was a pretty good Bills. Those are pretty decent Bills corners he was going against. Um, and if you, if you flip it in the small sample size thing, um, I guess the other way for him, it's kind of like okay, that that kind of confirms some of the stuff we've seen with him getting open against a, a much better, much more established secondary. Um, yeah, and that's and then the, the other thing I keep wondering is with corner, Darius Rush makes that play. He's he's you know it's in the second half. He's playing in the second half, but Gus Bradley did say. I mean, I asked him last week, like, don't you? kind of have to like wait to start the cornerback competition a little bit until Brent and Rush get out there. And he didn't, he didn't shoot that idea down. So I keep thinking that maybe if there's a position group that that's pretty open right now, other than say tight end, it cornerback feels like it. And I wonder if we could see some significant moving in terms of who's playing in first team and second team and third team in this next couple of weeks. Jonathan, let's, or Jonathan, I'm speaking, thinking of Jonathan Taylor. Joe, thank you. Four days left, Mark. Joe, let's say that you are a member of the Colts brass and you're listening to this interview to find out how astute we are in, in our pulse of the Colts. What's the one thing that they're saying to themselves? These guys are totally missing it. They're not even talking about X, and that actually is one of our chief areas of concern. But because the Jonathan Taylor is so big, because Anthony Richardson is a rookie quarterback, because Shaquille Leonard's coming off injury, what they're not talking about is blank, which is a topic of concern for us in the building on West 56th. Uh I don't know if offensive line depth falls in that because we've kind of talked about that, um, especially on this show. Uh, defensive line depth, pass rush, how that looks. I'd like to see a little more they, pop from that group. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, you know, that they they felt like that was a position they did address in the off season. Um, in free agency with Abukum and, and Kevin Bryan. And it hasn't been I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that the that the, the defensive line has looked dominant in training camp by any any stretch. Um which maybe that's a good thing for the first team offensive line, but I I I just wonder if they'd like to have seen a little bit more juice from them so far. Yeah, and something to note on the O-line depth too, Joel. I said this to Jake earlier in the show. You look at Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, and Ryan Kelly from last year, they combined to play in 50 of 51 games. It's not like those guys were hurt. I mean, you know, you can make an argument maybe they're playing through some stuff, but they were at least out there and available. And I think when you saw, especially that first series when Minshew got in the game on Saturday, you know, those first guys, guys you'd probably label six, seven, eight on your O-line depth, you know, that I think is something that has to be concerning. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like every team has great offensive line depth by any means. You saw the Colts' second unit D-line make some plays too. But given the nature of a rookie quarterback, given the nature of how Chris Bauer views the trench play, I think that's something that would probably be atop that list. Yeah, and it's it's been a topic for a long time now, you know, this, this offseason. 
in terms of, I think all of us have been saying, there's got to be like some kind of experience thrown in here. Uh, a veteran, you know, a Chris Reed type, somebody like that thrown in here at some point uh, or the other. And, I mean, until signing Dan Skipper, and maybe that's, Maybe that's a stretch considering that, you know, he had some rough starts last year as a guard. He's probably supposed to be more of a tackle. Um, they didn't, they never really made those, those plays and in, in terms of bringing in somebody like that. And, you know, someone's going to get hurt. And, and when they get hurt and there's someone else has to play, we saw last year how, um, you know, obviously Nelson and, and Kelly and Smith didn't have their best years, but I think, I think the genesis of all that was was taking risks at left tackle and right guard. And so, if if somebody gets hurt and there's a weak link comes that comes in, you know, what does that do to the overall line again? Are, are you flirting with the same issue of of two spots? You know, making the hole much much worse than it was expected to be. And that's 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 very concerning for for I think. Should, should be very concerning for everybody, considering that you, if you are going to play Richardson, you'd like to protect him, especially given what Jake was saying earlier about, you know, he's probably going to take some hits in the running game. Let's try to avoid some some hits that we can avoid. All right, last one for me. And again, Joel A. Erickson is with us here uh, from the Indianapolis Star. Um, it was reported earlier today, Joel, the Colts are working out uh, veteran safety Ronnie Harrison Jr., um, played in the league for you know several years, 223 career tackles, so certainly has a notable resume. You read anything into that in regards to Julian Blackman, a guy that we have yet to see here in training camp, a hamstring injury for him. He has missed all 10 practices. Uh, not necessarily. I, I, I think the Blackman, the Blackman injury is obviously um, – Concerning, considering how long he's been out, you know, it's, it seems like his hamstring maybe was on the on the more serious side at this point. Um, but it's it's hard with these tryouts because anybody they're trying out right now is available. Well, every team has ninety guys on their roster, and so some of these tryouts, you know, they they could be a big deal. They could be due diligence. You know, I, I thought one of the things that was interesting from from Saturday was that Kenyon Drake was the last running back out there. Um, you know, and that was a signing that was kind of accompanied by some fanfare. Um, and he was the last running back out there in in terms of in terms of playing time. So some of these some of these are are updating lists. Some of them are. It, it's hard to tell, especially when there's when there's ninety guys on the roster. How much of if how much of it is just updating lists and kicking tires and how much of it is okay? Maybe this guy can really help us. You know, Joe. The other thing too that you you can never. I think it's very easy for those of us on the outside to look at rotations in a preseason game and fall in love with the the notion that, well, this guy was on the field when all the third stringers were in or all the guys that aren't going to make the roster, it was so therefore he's in trouble. What we, what we never know is whether or not, and, and see if this makes sense, the possibility that the coaching staff, the, the the scouts, whatever it might be, always want to have one or two adults in the room on the field at all times to then see how the other how how questionable guys gel or respond to actual Sunday players. So we might see a guy that's on the field, but he's actually out there to kind of be the anchor off the other pieces that they're taking a look at, whereas that guy's position is already solidified. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I don't know if I've seen that teams do that though. They they t- tend to stick to their boards. You know, most of the time you're in the, the last the last half of the uh game and you're looking at guys who are for the most part probably probably on the outside looking in as far as the 53. Because you're right about I mean, you know, Drake is one that that the thought was when he was brought in that that was an automatic, right? That, that, that yeah. like I mean that he was not in question of making the roster. Yeah, we we talked about him as like an automatic third, you know, third running back, that kind of thing. And I mean, there is chemistry from between a running back and an offensive line for sure. That Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson and um, have have talked extensively about it in happier times for Jonathan Taylor about how him learning them and them learning him helped what happened in 2021 happened. And, and so to not, 
Kenyon Drake really hasn't carried the ball a ton even in, on the practice field so far. And so, like, I, I have been taking note of that, that he's, he's there, he's on the roster, he's practicing. But in terms of the in terms of the snaps he's getting and when he's getting them, it hasn't. It's not like he's stepped in there right in front of Deion Jackson. Yeah, nothing in the first half for him. Evan Hall with the start, and then Deion Jackson in after that. Jake Funk, I believe, ahead of him as well. Uh, you know, the the Jake Funk is the reason why I would not expect you to wear a tank top after me, regardless <laughs> of wash or whatever else. Just Joel, the sympathy it. laughs are not needed, <laughs> despite all your many colognes. I I smell wonderful, and I have a fabulous ability to smell others. That's why the the, that no. me, the metro drop. You want to play that there, Mark? Uh, Joel, apologies for all the roundabouts that we went on here with you over the last twenty four minutes, but thank you for the time on this Monday morning. Enjoy a little bit of a quieter day, and we will uh, see you tomorrow at Grand Park. Yep, we'll see you out there.